We coined this term gender free because we believe that humans are born free by nature and we should be free to be whoever, whatever gender or non-gender we want to be and to be who you were born to be. We're the Majority Group, and this is Style as Identity, where we profile the designers and founders whose mere existence shifts our understanding of the style status quo. We're your hosts. I'm Lola Catero. And I'm Frankie Quasim. And after years of settling for style that didn't represent us, we set out to find the brands that did. Join us each episode as we learn from brands that are an extension of their values, identity, and aesthetic. And because of them, we're seen and represented. When we think about our wardrobes and which pieces truly reflect our lived experiences, for us, the ones by Stuzo Clothing immediately come to mind. Stuzo Clothing is a gender-free apparel company for all humans. Made in LA with a splash of that New York sauce, Stuzo Clothing is rooted in identity and inspired by love, creating clothing without labels that anyone can feel good in. This conversation is based on visual subject matter, and you've got to see these visuals. Text STUZO, that's S-T-U-Z-O, to us at the number 833-495-4773, and we'll send you the pics you don't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. Stony of STUZO, welcome. It's so good to have you. And see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so happy you're here. Getting right into it, Stoney, could you, I think for everyone listening, it's important for people to know not only who you are and what you've built, but also who it's for. And so talk to us a little bit about the Stuzo community. Like, who are they? Well, I'm Stoney Michelle Love, CEO and founder of Stuzo Clothing. And the community that we serve are humans first. It's a common ground, I like to believe, for everybody on this earth. The mission is creating a safe space in fashion and everybody's like individual style and not focusing on gender or non-gender or race or any of those things, size, because, you know, the world is made up of different, beautiful people and like ranges of makeup of humans, you know? So we wanted to focus on the one thing that we all can just relate to, and that's being human. You know, so we make clothes that are not cut a certain way for any type of body type. You know, we want to be able to have people express their individual style to be seen and to wear it the way they would wear it and not conform them to just restricting them to a certain way of wearing it or excluding anybody, really, because that can happen as well. So we coined the term gender-free, which is what I believe Stuzo means. I hope to get that into the dictionary. (laughs) Stuzo meaning gender-free. Webster, are you listening? (laughs) Miriam Webster? (laughs) We coined that term because we believe that humans are born free, you know, by nature. And we should be free to be whoever, whatever gender or non-gender we want to be. And to be who you were born to be. We want to celebrate that. So that is the mission that we have continued and we will always continue to push. And it's such a powerful word, the choice to use free instead of lists or un or anything. I think it opens it up for people to define it, interpret it for what's true to them. And 
One thing I find so incredible and iconic about Stuzo is you started in 2008. And when we were talking about that and hearing you first launched then, you know, you made it official brick and mortar in 2013. Frankie and I were going back and forth and thinking, what was the world like then? And I think especially today, there's a lot of chat about the past 10 years. And I did a little digging of what the world was like in 2008. Uh And I mean, it was, you know, a very specific time and place. And for context of any of you that either blocked that time out of your memory, or maybe were too young to really remember what was going on, the three things that really stuck out to me. So Usher, Love in the Club, was like the hit song. I do remember dancing to it at a dancing well. school and thinking it was, I was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, sure I wasn't. But like Bump It's from Jersey Shore, like that hairstyle, like that feels like forever ago. And to put that in context of like legal and law, you know, DOMA was declared unconstitutional not until 2013. It wasn't until 2015 that we had you know, same-sex marriage rights across all 50 states. I just think that in that context, so much has happened and scarily some stuff might happen again or be rolled back. I think we're in a fear of we don't know what to, like, I don't know, trust in a lot of the times today. But all of that is more profound to me because Stuzo launched in 2008 at this time where maybe you were still forming the term gender for yourself, but that core mission and value set was there from the jump. And that really speaks to you as a person and what you wanted to put out into the world. And so I just wanted to say, wow. Thank you. Yeah. That took me back. It was kind of like a blast of the past. Yeah. (laughs) That Usher song, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because between him and Mary J. Blige, I mean, I'm a huge Usher fan, but it seemed like he always dropped an album when I was going through a heartbreak. So it was another, yeah, another heartbreak for me. And I do remember dancing in that, in a club to that song. Good times though, because I had some good like times with people getting over the heartbreak. So (laughs) to his album, (laughs) he provided everything I needed. And I'm pretty sure there was some inspiration. I can't pull it right now and relate it to Stuzo, but I'm pretty sure he inspired some things because, you know, when you're going through stuff. I mean, a lot of the designs I create come from real actual events, you know, like real things that I'm experiencing in life. I'm pretty sure he has something to do with it. I mean, you mentioned growing up and seeking clothes that better aligned with your style and identity in your brother's closet, your grandma's closet. And I'm curious, have you designed a windbreaker? I haven't. I haven't designed one. It is something that I want to do because We spoke yesterday and we were talking about my grandmother's closet and I thought that that would be such a great name or like a collection name Mm. because... It's giving thrift, vintage. Absolutely. (laughs) Throwback, timeless. Oh my gosh. Every time I see one, I think about her and I think about it and how I never own one and I'm just like, I should create one. So it really, see, it sparked an idea of a whole collection of my grandmother's closet because I spent a lot of time, I mean... I don't know if she actually ever knew, but I spent a lot of time in there and, you know, like I said, sneaking and getting, wearing her stuff and then like trying to bypass her at, you know, like 3.15, I'd run up and just change and then, you know, like put on something that she thought I wore. So it was one of those things, but I definitely want to create that. So thank you for inspiring that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's incredible. You know, I inspired by the grandfather's closets and accessories and 
it's nostalgic and it's part of our identity and past. Like literally your grandma is of your blood, but then also you using it as a way to explore yourself and having to hide it from her at the same time and recreating that. Doing a line of that would be kind of this evolution of, you know, you can own this yourself. Yeah, listen, she provided a lot of comfort for me and I don't even know that she knows that in many ways, but just by her windbreakers and her fashion. And I don't think anyone knew that it was coming from her closet. And that's what I love about fashion because you think your grandmother's clothes and you don't think something I want to go put on to wear. And I was in junior high school at the time. So even then, I mean, funny enough at that age, some of the styles were like, if you look at it now, they did look older and vintage to what something modern But still, like my grandmother had like an older taste, but yet it worked, you know. So no one ever questioned when I wore her stuff, like, what is that? Like, that looks like your grandmother's stuff or something like that. But, you know, I mean, if they said it, it would have been a compliment. The idea is that this is how like universal and how fashion is like, although it evolves, it has an essence of staying the same, you know, like. It's style. Yeah. So we're talking about your grandmother's closet. I feel like we got to talk about what got you here and why your grandma's closet was like a source of both inspiration and clothing as well. Because I know we talked a little bit about Stuzo providing for us as humans and starting as humans. And but a lot of times when we go shopping, it's not about whether or not we're human. You know, there's a men's section, there's a women's section, there's a kid's section. And that's even broken up into like boys and girls. So her to talk about how like clothes don't have organs, like we're human. So we'd love to hear a little bit about how that got you here. Yeah, well, well, I was in New York, grew up in the Bronx and um, going into those department stores, like you said, they were sectioned off and divided by gender and It's tough, you know, like in that time, and this is even before 2008. So this is in the 90s. And, you know, while they still have those sections now, which just felt like it was a different time. The world definitely was more like, you know, when you walk in, whatever it is, how you look, if you look like a woman, you have to be in this section, you have to be in that section. So when I would go into the men's section, I'm a child at this point. So like one, it was hard enough to even get away from my mom to go in that section, to even have the courage to get over there. I was so nervous. And my one of those things where, because my mom is a, a traditional African Latina woman. So it's like, we have roles, there are gender roles in our culture. So I couldn't even ask. So it really was like a sneak situation. I'll go over there and I go in the men's section and grown men are looking at me like, what the hell are you doing in here? You know? And it's like, they might be uncomfortable, but I'm more uncomfortable, you know? You know, and I felt like I just didn't belong, but it didn't feel like I belonged in the women's section either. Even dressing how I wanted to dress, it was tough because, you know, I had to wear certain things. It was like, I was doing this like silent barter with my mom. Like, you know, maybe I could get one pair of baggy jeans. And if I wore like this really top or well, probably like five, of them because most of everything was that. And she would like, you know, I'm sure she had a great time like bringing things home for her girl child and things like that. But I don't think she accepted if she knew then, you know, like that I just didn't want it. You know, I didn't want to wear that. I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. 
it was a lot of that that led me to, you know, looking in. Well, my, me and my grandmother actually shared a closet. I mean, we shared a room from my crib until 15. So literally hers is in the front, mine's on the other side. So I'm like, I'm looking and I'm just like, I don't want to wear anything in my own closet. I can't re-wear all my baggy stuff, you know, because that's just not the move, you know. People are going to clown you like, you wore that on Wednesday. <laughs> People remember that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and... <laughs> I didn't realize then how much I really cared and how it was a big fashion show for me. So I would have loved to have had like a good three weeks of non-repeat. So, so I was like, my choices were limited. So I would like, you know, look and I see this, you know, I see her stuff and I'm just like, well, wear that. But I couldn't wear it because the first time when I realized I couldn't wear it openly is because I wore it and she was just like, that's too big for you. Take it off. You know, so I'm just like, that's how I like it. And I couldn't do that. So that's why I started sneaking it like, well, I got to do this somehow. And that's what led me into her closet, you know, and that's why in 2013, like when I acquired the store, I wanted to make it a point to not have any sections in here because I remember that experience. And it's still like that to this day. Definitely. I understand the world, obviously, a lot more. I also know how to make clothes that are made for women identifying humans my own. But I didn't know that then. Just taking that pressure of walking into a store and feeling already like you are going to be placed somewhere. Someone's already forcing you to go to the section almost and people are watching and all. I just want people to come in and feel free to shop because, you know, it's clothes to cover ourselves and to express ourselves from the inside out. It's not to define anybody. And, you know, this should be a safe space. So I want it to be a safe space for people to come in and not feel like, well, I have to be over here and I have to be over there. And even like plus size and things, we don't talk about that enough. Like I have my sizes in the back. The only reason why I have the smaller sizes out is because it takes up less space, but it, it has nothing to do with, you know, I have the sizes up to 3X. So there is no section for plus size people or this or that, you know, or I just think it should just be a free for all, really. That's the model. And a lot of that, like, you know, my experiences have led me to create this for people. So if I can get like a kid or, you know, a young youth, whether they're, you know, queer or black or white or, or Latin, just coming in here and feeling like they could create their own style, find themselves and see themselves in here and not feel like, oh, well, well, this is not for me. Because I know what that feels like and it doesn't feel good. Thank you for sharing that. It really brought me back and had me reflect on how I think our our language has evolved a lot since then. I mean, even thinking like, oh, tomboy, tom girl, do those words, what do they even mean today? Are people, young kids still using those words? Like, have we evolved past that? New words in our lexicon, like unisex and genderless. But the thing that hasn't evolved is when people actually go into the store, they're still being pushed in these boxes. And I think that's worth noting that we might have evolved some of our thinking around it, but the system by and large still remains that people are going to be put in these boxes and you kind of have to choose. Exactly that. And I think for me, I started feeling my sense of self, like when I was grown and had my own wallet. And like some of what Stoney is describing of like, living in under your parents' roof when you're younger and like not having that as much freedom to determine what you're wearing fully. And I think what you're describing of like being able to kind of give people who are younger, not just people who are a little more grown and can figure out who they are now, but like 
people who are younger also the opportunity to figure out who they are like earlier if possible and like see themselves not based on like the parameters and definitions society has set for them but like based on what they're feeling because what you're describing when you were like I want people to come into the store and just like shop and like a safe space that's like quite spiritual honestly and I feel like the reason all of us are here is because we do believe that like how we show up is very much tied to like our self-expression and like for some people that is in what they wear and how they cover their bodies or not cover their bodies so just hearing you talk about that as someone young almost also brought me back so I was like damn I always think about being myself as like after I was like older but we've been figuring it out the whole time you know it's just making space for that yeah I agree and I'm glad you mentioned that spirituality I never thought of it that way but I mean this is a you know, I've, I've delved so deep into my spirituality over the past like four years to where things that even like I have rituals, opening up the store and the way I want it to feel when people walk in like burning incense and light and sage and, you know, like really cleansing. And so they feel very comfortable and safe. Like I get people saying, oh, it smells good in here. And I love hearing that. That's the care that we put in our clothes. That's the care that we put in everything. And everything has to reflect that. And it, it is, it does feel like that in here, you know? So it's like a, a revelation of what I've created. It's, I didn't even think about it that way. But I mean, that's why when, when I get a lot of questions about business and stuff, I talk about a lot of the tools are more inner tools than like stats and numbers or things of that nature. Because really with a brand, a lot of yourself is in that and it can show like when you're being authentic or, you know, what your real mission and all these things are. That said, like my spirituality is a part of this. You know, I have crystals around here and all that stuff. So that's the idea. You know, I really hope that I continue to create that safe space, whether or not people are walking here or they even feel it through the energy of like me sending out the clothes and them wearing it. And I think in your store, even on your website, there's no question who you're for, for everybody. But, you know, as the founder and business owner, I'm sure there's a lot of decisions you've had to make that are actually very intentional in regards to gender in terms of just even setting up a website and thinking through that. And it doesn't just happen by default. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> I run and also set up, design the most of the way it looks. So there's a lot of thought to that. There was a time that I gave into the notion and actually did it for a little bit of turning this business into a woman's collection. I mean, not line, you know, in which I even had sections on my website. It definitely didn't stick because, you know, I felt like I was like selling my soul because that wasn't a mission. I mean, while, you know, till this day, Women, women make up about good 85% of my, you know, customer base. And while I'm thankful for that, I just don't cater to just women, you know, cater to humans. So that would be going against the mission, but um, it just didn't feel right. You know, I looked at it and I'm just like, oh, and the type of pieces I carried and while the money was coming in, it just no amount of money could have done it for me. It was just not what it was. So I had to really check my personal identity and see what, okay, who am I? Why did I start this? Go back to the original mission and trust my intuition to defy my then partner. Like, this doesn't feel good. We have to do something that is authentic and really go back to the roots of it because that's the mission that we started, that was started. So there's people, I think, in this industry and other industries that will succumb to those things or just make the moves just based on 
stats and numbers and money. And I think people know, they understand that they see that when somebody's just creating things to make a buck, you know, whether it's in a realm that they don't even identify with, you know, like queer merch or anything of a different culture merch, people get it. They get that, which is why I feel like we've been able to sustain because the things that I create, I believe in all of these things that make up me and at the core, whether you may not be Afro-Latina or queer or woman, you're a human being. So I'm always going to create for any human being. So there's always going to be a piece that you can relate to that you don't have to identify to my culture to be able to enjoy it. And that's what it is. I just love to put myself in and see the things that make me up reflect in my pieces. So yeah, it's a, you know, it's a lot of things that I have to make, decisions I have to make that I have to really like either make it from a business standpoint solely and or balance my morals with that, mm-hmm. you know. You know, hearing you say that my marketing hat came on and I think there is a lot of stuff that people don't realize, you know, if people type in women's black overalls, because that's what they want. And that directs them to websites that say, hey, we sell women's black overalls. And that's all in the copy on the website and all of this stuff. So by actively saying, hey, this is for anybody, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage to show up on search results when people want a pair of black overalls that a woman could wear. And I think all that SEO and SEM and page, like that's, those are marketing tactics and channels that have real ROI impact. And I think for you to test it out, see how it felt is amazing because you're going to, at the end of the day, see how you actually feel from a value standpoint. And I think that is probably the such a profound lesson for any of us. Like it just allows you to see internally, like what does this feel like and what's the implication and the impact? And it's a negative impact on your authenticity. And I think that that's, there's no ROI that can be better than when you're true. Yeah, literally across Stuzo Clothing's website, it says live your truth. And I feel like what Stoney just described, like the trade-offs Lola you're describing is, I don't know, like that was just coming through everything you were saying. And when you were talking about celebrating your own identity and how people don't really have to identify with it to still buy something that speaks to them, I think that's really real because sometimes I feel my most liberated when I see other people who are liberated or like I feel like other people celebrating their identity gives me permission to do the same. But I also think that sometimes people might feel a little uncomfortable like wearing something that isn't fit with their identity, even if it fits with someone else's. But I thought that was cool that you said that because it's like, yeah, you can still wear this and celebrate it, even if it isn't necessarily fit with your own. But I will say Lola and I were talking about this, Stoney, about how you can kind of see all the different parts of you brought into what you sell. And you like kind of listed all of those. So yeah, I mean, I would love to talk more about that of just like the different parts of your identity and how they show up in like what we wear. Because yeah, you're not designing for just women or just Afro-Latinas, but like at the same time, you do have like the black magic and the woman up, which I think still kind of empowers the collective and individuals within the collective. So lots of love for that. Thank you. Yeah. It's for everybody too. Like, you know, woman up, I know it has the word woman in it, but we, I believe that we're, it's an energy of, you know, masculinity and femininity are energies that we have within us, whether non-conforming, you know, gender non-conforming, the energy of being feminine and masculine, I believe personally is still within human beings. So when I say that to empower, and yes, it is to empower women to woman up and also men and anybody that, you know, hearing that term, as we heard for, you know, all 
the beginning of time, like man up, man up. And, you know, different genders and none have used it. It's one of those things where while I do identify as a woman and I do like to empower other humans that identify as women, it's not solely for them. You know, it's for anybody that embodies that feminine energy to understand that it is strong. And it is also tender and it's also sweet. And it's also the balance of that. And, you know, masculinity is not just tough. You can assert yourself and be masculine without being forceful or aggressive. This is really empowering that inner femininity in us all. And, you know, highlighting the magic that we have as POC folk, especially black magic. There are a lot of non-POC folk that actually buy it. And I don't have a problem with it. When I don't have a problem with anybody buying anything, if you want to wear whatever you want to wear, I can't tell you what to wear, you know, and I'm not going to deny you to buy my stuff, you know, just if you plan to do it to do some hate. And I know about it, of course, but that's never happened. And let's just not even say it will. However, you know, there's a lot of people that while we're talking about if they relate or not, like say you're a non-POC and you see black magic, it happens so many times and they, people would buy it in solidarity or being an ally to support people of color. And if that is your intention, I support that. It's supporting my business as a person of color and it's supporting people as a large and the lack of fear of wearing that in public and wanting to create that conversation because somebody could, I think it's beautiful because if I see someone that appears to be a non-person of color wearing a black magic sweater and like I'm ignorant to those just looking at someone and I'm just like, I'm going to judge them. I would hope that it would spark a conversation for someone to be like, well, why are you wearing this? And them to say what it is and to broaden people's outlook on what we wear and how we express our, I guess, solidarity. That's the only word I can think of right now for other, you know, cultures and people. And you just don't know me. I had an intern here and she was Afro-Latina and looked, you know, the opposite shade of me. I think that's amazing. And she also struggled with feeling, you know, in certain spaces, like she wasn't Black enough because she didn't look it. And I related to that because, you know, growing up, especially in New York and being around and in the Bronx, being in a a heavy like Puerto Rican Dominican area. And it's like not feeling Latin enough. And especially if you don't know the language fluently, it just gives you another hindrance where people feel like that. Even when I go back to Panama, sometimes people automatically just think, oh, I'm this or that just because of my skin color. So at least the clothes will give us more, uh, I guess, a unification on that. And at least starting the topic of you know, maybe it'll spark conversation. Somebody sees that, you know, if I'm wearing something that is like proud Latina, they'd be like, huh? Yes, not all Latinas are light skinned. So these type of things, or maybe I'm not even, you know, and I appreciate the culture and I want to express that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that that's the difference between appropriation and appreciation, you know? Yeah. I'm going to be marinating on that for a while. I mean, I think it's really true. And there's a lot there, you know, it goes into our impressions of people at first glance, but then also understanding the difference between appropriation and appreciation. Where is the money coming from? Where is it going? What systems and communities does it stay within? And it reminds me of how much you have been not only championing through your brand and your clothes, but also through being a mentor and setting an example for helping to increase people living their truth and their dreams. Can you share a little bit about how you give people advice to follow their dreams beyond just the brand of Stuzo? 
before the pandemic, I had worked with the LGBTQIA Center very closely on not only just like doing events with them and, you know, putting on fashion shows, but I had a mentorship program. Well, they have a mentorship program that works with UCLA. And, you know, we were one of the stores that would hire the youth and, you know, they would get paid and they would come in here and and be able to know the basic skills of retail. And in addition to that, I mean, it was like I was a house mother, which actually kind of sparked the idea, which would be coming most likely like next year, a house of Stuzo. Because I felt like the house mother to <laughs> to these kids. They would come in here and I'd be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I could see the grief or the whatever that's going on on their face. And I'm like, well, all right, let's talk. Because I actually care about people and their well-being. And, you know, if you're not in okay, you can't work. And they didn't know how to compartmentalize that. You know, and it's a different time. I mean, I grew up snuffing a lot of stuff and going to work as a kid. The whole things you wouldn't even imagine that's going on in my life. And I'm showing up to work like I'm ready to work because that was the ethic that I was raised under. But what I wanted to offer that I didn't have is that I actually care, you know, about people. And I feel like that's a thing, even in this country specifically, that your wellness and health is not encouraged, although we're just starting to talk about this in mental health, but it's not encouraged in the workplace. It's like, you got to put that stuff, leave it at the door. So, you know, I would mentor them and I would, you know, talk to them about personal issues. Some of them got really real. I literally sat in a break room and cried on the floor with one of my interns at the time. I hate that they were going through that, but that's priceless. And I knew that this is unconventional in the best way. And it's not just a place that they come and they're like, wow, I'm working for a cool place and all that. But it's a place that we actually care about your well-being. And I think that should be a model to follow for other brands and other organizations. And a couple other ways, I have another company that I run called Print Tees and it was founded a little bit, maybe like a couple years after Stuzo. And we also print, like it's a print company. So I print for other brands. The quality that I print for myself was the same quality that other brands will get. And, you know, it's a good way to either if there's stuff incoming or they need to get a different printer because there are a lot of printers out here that just, they don't care. You know, they just want to print and go. But I offer them resources. Like I'm not a hoarder of information at all. I want to see everybody win. There's space for everybody. It really is. So, you know, whether it's an inside tag or, hey, maybe you should do this or do that. I offer ideas and things of that and get them in the right direction so they can flourish their brand. And if they don't need print jobs and they just want to ask for advice or mentorship whenever I can, you know, I hop on the phone with people. I talk to people in DMs like a lot of them I don't know. They just, you know, shoot me things and You know, I really do my best to answer people and say, hey, this is the best that I can do for you and what I know. And hopefully it helps. Like I said, a lot of stuff that I guess guidance that I did not get when I was coming up, I want to offer that. You know, I feel like when you have a platform to whatever degree and you can, you have the will to do it. Why not? You know, it's not costing you anything. And actually, it's a gain. If you understand, like, you know, the more you give, the more you get. I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I just genuinely like helping people. And when I found out I was a cancer rise and I was like, okay, this makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) The signs don't lie. (laughs) Yes, it does not. So I was like, yeah, because on the surface with people, I am super like, what do you need? I'm not even had to balance my overgiving, honestly, within the last two years, because I was just like, okay, 
everything is balanced for me. Can't do too much and too little. But at the core, I love helping people. So I believe that the more you give, the more you'll get back. Humans at the center. Mm-hmm. All the way. I'm going to hold you to House of Stuzo. I can see it now. The crown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I already locked the house. I locked in the Instagram pages now. You know, <laughs> it's about really we'll want to work it and have it as a nonprofit because, you know, I want to be able to put on events and have workshops with people, not just balls. Of course, there are going to be plenty of balls, but like, you know, just other things and ways that I can hone in on people's skills and really build this thing and bring in the New York ballroom scene that's not here in LA and really show them like what legendary really is. Well, thank you so much for just talking with us and hearing everything. I We're going to be sitting with this for a while. So thank you for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate this. You know, it's just always a, a great time seeing you, finally meeting you, Frankie. And just the energy is amazing. Happy to be in alignment with you all. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Oh, thank you so much, Stoney. Thank you, Stoney. Yes, thank you. Well, folks, that's a wrap on our theme of gender. And there's a lot on our minds from it. Hang with us next week during our very special Reflections episode as Frankie and I take a beat to reflect on the last four conversations. What new perspectives did we gain? What new questions do we now have? Let's get into it. See you next time.